Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seibin, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. Another Monday is here, and today on the wrap-up, we're going to be talking about my very limited number of Black Friday pickups, Huawei and the U.S. government. A lot of people have been asking about that. A high tide on YouTube raises all the YouTube boats. I'll go into more detail on that in a minute. How to know when an Android TV box is legitimate versus a a hacked box that we've seen before. And then digital versus physical for video games. The debate rages on. I wanted to talk a little bit about that as well. So lots to do here. Let's get to it. But before we get into today's topics, I do want to thank some new members on the channel, including Christopher Love, who gave via Patreon, Valentin Chiosa, who gave via the DonorBox page, Slava Tisvik, who is a new member on the YouTube membership program, and Fernie Lopez, who gave during last week's premiere of the wrap-up via Super Chat. It looks like we got one person from every different funding mechanism we can do here, and I want to thank everyone for contributing this week, along with everyone who contributes on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on an ongoing basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link to Amazon's Cyber Monday deals. This is going on all week, and they've got deals that just keep popping up throughout the day. Uh, This is very similar to how their Prime Day works, but I think it's going to be going on throughout the week here. So you can check it out at the link you see on screen. So now let's take a look at the Week in Review. We unboxed stuff on the Extras channel that we then reviewed on the main channel, including the new Jetstream box that you can find at Walmart, also the Huawei MediaPad M5, a 200,000 subscriber special, which I'll talk about in a second, and the 8-bit Doe N30 Pro 2 controllers. So if you missed anything, you can find it all in the master playlist link below. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 92 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And of course, we had a very big milestone this week, crossing the threshold from 199,999 subscribers to 200,000. And I think we're over 201,000 now. Took about two years to go from 100,000 to 200,000, but four years to get to 100,000. So we're starting to speed up a bit here. And I think that happens as your channel grows. The larger it gets, the more people are watching, the more likely uh, content will be shared. I think it also trips the uh, YouTube algorithm to put your stuff up higher in search the longer you're keeping at it and building up an audience. And it took about, I think, three years or so even to get to like 10,000 subscribers. So you can see just how quickly it can grow if you stick with it and improve every time and use your data. And I covered that in the video I did this week about uh, some of the things that I've adjusted over the years to uh, further grow the audience. And I want to just thank you all for everything you've been doing to watch what I do to keep the channel growing here. That feedback 
really means a lot to me. And this past Friday, of course, was Black Friday, which is actually a very big time of the year for my channel. Uh, the first thing that's very important for YouTube creators is that uh, this time of year, the last quarter of the year, is probably when you get the most advertising revenue because this is when uh, holiday shopping is at its peak and advertisers are spending a lot to gain the attention of uh, the consumers out there. But it's also important for my channel because a lot of things that I review throughout the year end up as Black Friday sales because we often look at lower cost items here on the channel. So I get a lot of new viewers coming in looking for information about those products. So things like the Fire TV Stick were very hot this week, the Mi Box, uh, given that it's on sale at Walmart. Uh, also some Chromebooks that I looked at throughout the year as well. So to some degree, I'm always looking for this stuff and I really am focused on getting these reviews up as soon as these things come out so that when this time of the year rolls around, I am well positioned in search. And this week, it looks like we had a pretty big uptick on Black Friday as we usually do. What's funny though, is that Black Friday 2014 uh, was the biggest growth period for my channel. I went from getting maybe 100,000 or 200,000 views a month or thereabouts to a million views in the course of a single month, and I never lost the momentum after that. I must feel like maybe somebody threw a switch at YouTube and put me into a different category because that was a very big month for the channel, uh, both November and December of 2014, and we've been uh, at that clip ever since. Now, I wasn't brave enough to do any shopping this week out in the real world, but I did pick up a couple of Black Friday deals online. I bought a Google Home Hub, uh, which is a Google Home with a screen. We looked at a similar one from Lenovo a few months ago, and Google during the Black Friday weekend dropped the price on this from $150 to $99, and that got me to bite because I really wanted one of these devices and just didn't want to spend $150 on one, so $99 bucks felt like the right price. Uh, now, I reviewed the Lenovo one a few months ago. Again, that one is on sale for the same price right now. It might still be at that price but I figured I would get the Google one to see how they differ, and we're going to get it in hopefully today. So maybe later this week or early next week, I'll have a full review of it. I love the Google Home that I have upstairs. I got the uh, first one that came out that just does audio, and it's getting better and better at answering questions, including complex questions. So the other day I asked it uh, where my package from Amazon was. It went into my Gmail because it's part of Google's ecosystem. Uh, found that it had a couple of packages on the way, and it told me where all of them were. It was kind of neat to just be able to ask it a question like that and have it read it back to me. Uh, we use it a lot as a kitchen timer, but it's also good just for answering random questions like uh, the differences between two different types of uh, lattes or espressos or whatever. It just answers everything that I ever ask it, and I love it. So I'm looking forward now to having a screen uh, especially when I'm using it as a kitchen timer. Uh, by the way, you can check out my review of the Lenovo device to get a feel for how all of it works with the screen. It's kind of cool. Uh, also, I got a couple of games for my Nintendo Switch. I, I really, I'm telling you, I love my Nintendo Switch more than uh, any game console I've had in the recent uh, five or ten years. My Xbox 360, I loved when it first came out. Uh, the Xbox One just didn't do it for me. The Switch has been great, primarily because it's portable and I can play these games uh, anywhere in the house or if I go on a trip or whatever. Uh, so I got a couple of games. I hadn't heard much about Mutant League football before, but it looked kind of fun. I like these stupid sports games, and the price was right. Uh, so I grabbed that from Amazon. Uh, Mega Man 11, which was very well received, had a sale. Uh, eight or ten bucks off the price of the physical version, so it actually cost less than the digital one, so I grabbed that one. That one's uh, something I've been meaning to get, too, so I was pleased with that. 
and that I'd never played Monster Hunter before, but I keep hearing about how awesome it is. And this was also on sale. I think they dropped the price in half on this one on Amazon. So I picked up Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. So we'll be adding that to my rotation of Switch games that I keep in this box here. So pretty fun stuff and pretty good deals there. I also picked up a 128 gigabyte micro SD card from Amazon, a Samsung card for 20 bucks. Maybe it was like $22. Cost next to nothing these days to get a lot of space on such a tiny little card. It is mind-boggling how much you can store on these little cards and how cheap they're getting. And I bought that specifically for my Switch to uh, give it some more storage because I was starting to run out of the internal storage. Oh, one other thing that I got was a digital version of Rocket League for the Switch for $11, and that prompted the memory card purchase. So all in a pretty good Black Friday for me. I'd love to hear, though, what you got for Black Friday in our Q&A for you segment this week. Uh, Let me know down in the comments below. I love hearing about good deals, so let me know what the best deal that you got was down there. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And I just got in a few questions like this the other day after my Huawei review of the tablet. Uh, And A here is asking, hey, I just read the news. The U.S. government says not to use Huawei products. Should I trust Huawei? Uh, So let's dive into this topic a bit and figure out what's going on here. So this is the most recent story. Uh, that came out last week, that the U.S. government is reportedly trying to persuade allies to stop using Huawei equipment. Now, Huawei is one of the few companies in the world that makes the entire stack of hardware. Uh, So, for example, Apple, who makes the iPhone, makes all the chips inside the iPhone in addition to the phone itself. Uh, Huawei does that as well. But Samsung and many other companies use other people's chips for a majority of what the phone does, including communicating. So in the case of a Samsung phone, for example, it's using a Qualcomm chip, uh, whereas Apple might use Qualcomm in some parts of its infrastructure, but a bulk of the processor is made by Apple itself. And Huawei makes their own chips for their mobile devices. In fact, the tablet that we looked at this past week has a Huawei processor inside. And I think the U.S. government is concerned because they don't have access to those chip designs to know what goes into it. I would suspect, and again, I don't have any information to back this up, uh, but I would suspect that the U.S. government does have some idea as to what goes into an Apple chip and what goes into some of these Qualcomm chips, but it looks like they're concerned enough about uh, these Huawei chips to recommend people not use them. And it's not just the phones, actually, they're concerned about. Uh, what they are concerned about is the uh, new 5G infrastructure that's rolling out across the world for 5G mobile devices. Uh, 5G is slated to be fast enough to even maybe power your home internet as well because they're going to do these short-throw transmitters to power poles and everything. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, uh, but it might be a real competitor to traditional landline internet. And if Huawei is making the chips that go into the 5G uh, cell nodes that will be popping up on all these utility poles, uh, the U.S. government is concerned that the Chinese might be able to uh, drop in and eavesdrop what might be going across the network. And I think that's primarily what their concern is. Now, earlier this year, both Verizon and AT&T uh, bowed to government pressure and stopped selling Huawei smartphones. Uh, you can still buy the phones in other places and then use them on those networks if the phones are compatible, but you can't get them directly from those two carriers And the U.S. government was concerned that U.S. service members and other sensitive government employees might be picking up one of these phones and potentially being susceptible to Chinese eavesdropping, again, because Huawei makes the entire chip stack. Now, Huawei denies all of this. They say that 
they are a private company and there's no uh, issues with their chips whatsoever. There was a government audit that was done a few years ago that didn't indicate any problems, but the U.S. government still remains concerned about the potential of this. And I think if you look at the strategies that uh, people take in this cyber war uh, that's been going on now for the last decade or so, uh, the Chinese have a very different strategic approach to things because they make all the stuff uh, that we use throughout the world. The majority of our things that we use every day, even our Apple computers and our Dell and HP computers, a bulk of those machines are made in China and they have uh, Chinese components potentially inside of them as well, in addition to chips that get brought to China from other places. And as a result of this, the Chinese may not need to do what the Americans have been doing, which is essentially uh, siphoning off all of the world's internet traffic and putting it into a huge data center for analysis. They actually do this. It's tinfoil hat crazy, I know, but it's the truth. I wrote a big article about this a few years ago for a local publication here, and it's really quite scary what is probably sitting inside of this government server right now, even from private citizens like you and me. Uh, What they have done is basically made it so that they can store this information and then access it only if they get a warrant from a secret FISA court. So the actual retention of the data, the recording of the data, uh, they don't consider to be wiretapping until they get a warrant to actually look at the data that they're storing. That's what the U.S. has been doing for a long time. Uh, The Chinese, though, don't necessarily have to do that because they make everything. And because of that, they can potentially put stuff into the the product flow coming out of their country and be able to gain access to things more directly. Uh, There was an article in Business Week, which has become quite controversial, actually, uh, about the fact that there was a motherboard manufacturer that they said uh, had some chips installed on them that allowed the potential for backdoors. And these motherboards were being used in data centers, uh, including, the article says, Apple. Apple vehemently denies that their motherboards were part of this and have actually, I think, threatened a lawsuit against Bloomberg. Bloomberg is standing by the story. So clearly they're hearing this from somewhere and are very concerned. And perhaps uh, this may have leaked out of the U.S. intelligence community on purpose to get this out to the public because we haven't had a direct government confirmation as to why they're so concerned about this stuff. But it only makes sense that if China is making everything, they have the ability to put stuff in these devices and spy on people, perhaps. And again, we don't know that they are definitely doing that, but we are in the midst of an international cyber war that's been going on for the better part of a decade. And I would see China doing this because they can and they have the ability to do so. And if we look back about a decade ago, Uh, There was a period where a number of Cisco routers being sold through major channels here in the U.S. were actually counterfeit and had back doors built into them, uh, which was potentially being used by China to spy on U.S. networks. These were big iron routers that were being hooked up into major uh, U.S. installations and I think maybe made it into some telecommunication companies as well, all because these were all coming from China. They got inserted into the Uh, into the channel, essentially into the sales channel, and these devices were sold like any other Cisco router, yet they were counterfeit with backdoors installed. This has happened before. Uh, It can likely happen again. Whether or not Huawei is doing this directly now, I can't say. They say no. U.S. government says maybe. So again, it's up to the consumers to make that uh, decision. As for me, I like my iPhones. I probably wouldn't buy a Huawei phone, even though they're kind of nice. That does have me a bit concerned that the U.S. government is so concerned about them. 
maybe I'm a little worried about the tablets as a result of this discussion. I think the PCs might be a little different just because the bulk of their chipsets in the PCs are not made by Huawei. But again, this is something that consumers need to keep in mind. And I do wish the government maybe would be a little more upfront with us about what these concerns are. And if they are as big as they are, I wonder why they haven't tried to make a broader effort to just keep these devices out of the country completely. Uh, One thing that I think might be happening here is that the government does enjoy relationships with these major chip and software manufacturers. Uh, What you see on screen here is a very cryptic program that Microsoft offers to governments, which allows them to uh, get access to Microsoft source code. Uh, They've been doing that for a long time. They have shared uh, source code with the U.S. government in the past. I'm sure they continue to do so now. I'm sure they're working with the NSA on uh, securing windows for government installations. And I'm sure the NSA learns things about securing windows that they can use in a more offensive capacity. I'm sure Intel and other companies are also probably working with the government in some way or another, perhaps being coerced to do so or forced to do so, uh, depending on the right method here. Because again, most of these big companies also have big government contracts and they don't want to interfere with those and the government could always just force them through a security uh, warrant to uh, make them hand over whatever they need to keep going here. So there's a lot going on that we'll never know about uh, and it's not tinfoil hat stuff here folks but it is definitely uh, something that's been going on for a while and I suspect they don't have the same level of access with Huawei which is leading to some of these Uh, issues that the U.S. government has with the company. So let's move on now to a happier topic now that I feel completely powerless. Uh, Hugh Dinwiddie wrote in with a great observation on my 200,000 subscriber special about the fact that on YouTube, other competing creators are actually more helpful than competitors. And I think he's absolutely right about that. Check out what I just did a little earlier today. I logged into Chrome with a uh, incognito window, so I wasn't logged in at all. And I did a search for the Mi Box S, and I got this guy here, Review Dork, uh, taking a look at the Mi Box S. And then when I looked over on the side here, my review comes up next. And this is how YouTube works. They want to keep you locked into the platform. They're assuming that, hey, if you're looking for information about this product, you might want to see some other uh, videos on the topic as well. And you can jump right into the next one. And if you have it on autoplay, that video just starts up automatically too. So even though this is somebody doing exactly what I do, it actually helps me because people can discover me through somebody else and vice versa. I bet you on my video, a lot of people are getting recommended the Review Dorks video because they're going to assume perhaps that people want to learn more about this product from more people. So this also speaks to just how sustainable product review videos are on this platform because, again, your competitors are actually helping you grow versus competing against you. Uh, the videos themselves also last a really long time. Typically, the life cycle of a product review video goes as follows. There is the uh, initial product release window in which it just comes out, and a lot of people come in and uh, try to get information about it. And then as long as that product is on store shelves, you'll get a good amount of traffic on that as consumers are uh, looking at it and doing their research. And then after the product leaves the major commercial uh, locations, it ends up on these liquidation sites, and there's a whole other round of traffic that comes in from that. And then after that, the used eBay market will keep it going for probably another four or five years after that. So it's a very long tail on these videos. Whereas news topics, things like this weekly wrap-up video, uh, this video gets about a week of a lifespan before it is done. We do try to do a little bit more to squeeze some more value out of it, like the podcast and the Snippets channel and everything. But by and large, 
uh, within a week or two, this video is going to be completely dead to the world. It'll still be sitting on YouTube, but rarely watched. And that is why I love doing product reviews because you can put a lot of time and effort into something that will live a very long time. And it's also why I don't rely too much on live streaming for my livelihood because I don't know if I could sustain the amount of time it takes to build up a really good live stream and then have to be on camera for you know four or five, six hours a day doing it because when you're off camera, you're not doing anything. Uh, whereas here, I can be off camera and have my videos keep working well for me in the background. So if you are looking to start something on YouTube, really consider product reviews. No matter what category of product you're interested in, uh, I think you could do quite well with it. And Doug Hart writes in with a great question about Android TV boxes and how do you tell which ones are running the real Android uh, versus maybe a tablet version of Android running on your television or perhaps running with a hacked version of the Android TV interface. And unfortunately, Google doesn't make it easy to discern. So I'll tell you some of the things that I do in testing to figure out whether or not it is legit. So uh, let's take a look at what you might come across on Amazon, for example. Uh, so here is a great deal on a $40 Android TV box. It looks like it does all this crazy stuff. They even got these great marketing images. Uh, look how excited this family is, except the mom here. She doesn't look too happy. Uh, and you can see all these amazing things that you can do with the box. And generally, they do play back video fairly well, but this box is not a full, true Android TV box. It is running the tablet version of Android. It'll have its own interface that pops up. And things like YouTube and other apps uh, will not be working at 4K, for example. You might even be stuck at 720p in some areas. And again, you'll be running the tablet version of those apps versus one that is optimized for your television in many cases. Google doesn't make it any easier because when you go on their website to get a list of what, what available Android TV devices are out there, you don't actually get a full and conclusive list of what's available. Uh, so for example, right now they've got the Mi Box S and the NVIDIA Shield listed, but not the new Jetstream box that we got at Walmart. Uh, that one's been out for the better part of a month and a half or so, uh, yet it does not show up here on the official list, even though it is official. We were able to uh, run the things that we run to make sure that it was legit, and it was, but Google isn't saying as much. And this drives me crazy because if we want the platform to succeed, they need to start telling people what their options are, and they're not really getting the word out on it. Now, a lot of times when you boot the box up, uh, this will be a good enough indicator to know that it is the official Android TV. This is the new Android 8 Oreo TV interface. However, what we found recently is that some manufacturers have been able to hack these boxes to get that interface up without actually having an official Android TV license installed. And the way we can test that is to do uh, first the HD home run test because uh, one of the things that the HD home run cable tuners do now is play DRM protected content. Uh, over your network provided the Android TV box is certified by Google. If it's certified, it will play the DRM content. If it's not, it won't. Uh, so on those uh, two boxes that I was thinking about that were hacked, uh, the HD home run DRM content did not work. Uh, what we also do is look at uh, Chromecasting because apps like HBO and Netflix require some degree of certification as well for them to work. And what we found is that HBO and Netflix, either together or individually, uh, will not cast over to one of these devices if it's not running with a certified version of Android TV. The problem is you can't test this until you buy it. 
Uh, so it's hard often to know, especially when you're on a site like GearBest or something like that, to really get a good idea as to what the box is or is not. And that is why I think Google uh, needs to do a better job of informing us what's out there uh, so that we can make the right decision for the Android TV box that we want to buy. The biggest issue with Android TV right now is that there isn't a good alternative to the NVIDIA Shield. The Shield is a great box. It's probably the best box out there across any platform. But I would like to see something that's decent and affordable that may not have all the performance the Shield has but doesn't have any issues. So we've got uh, two now out there, the Mi Box S and the Jetstream. Uh, the Mi Box S is okay, but it lacks all the ports that I would want in a TV box. The Jetstream has those ports, but it's so buggy and flaky that it wasn't very good to use. So we're still stuck uh, without a good alternative to the Shield. So right now, I still recommend uh, if you want Android TV, get the Shield because it is the best, but it does cost a lot more than some of these other boxes do. And hopefully, we'll see something good at the lower end of the market scale sometime this year. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, this next set of feedback comes from our discussion about the potential for a diskless Xbox. And this was on last week's wrap-up show. Uh, Michael Moore here says they're finally going to get their wish to end lending and renting games on their platform. Uh, Alex Noble here says he thinks it might actually be a good idea if you've got Game Pass. I think it could be. I bet you they might have a subsidized Xbox like they're kind of doing with the Xbox One S right now uh, to further entice people into that program. Uh, Richard Park said he'd actually consider one if it was as cheap as the NVIDIA Shield. But Brian Walsh says, nope, you'll never get me, Microsoft. And I've always been of the mind of buying physical media. I like having a game that I can hold in my hand and maybe resell at a later time when I'm done playing it. I've been doing that with some of my Switch games. And the other problem with the Switch games in physical form is that they have value. And if they get stolen or lost, um, I have to rebuy them again in order to play them on my portable system. I've been very mindful of that, given I've got this box of games that I often bring with me. Uh, If anything ever happens to this, I'm out a lot of money now. Whereas if I had just bought these games digitally, they would all be on my Switch, even if I lost it. When I get the new Switch, they're all uh, re-downloaded, and my save games now back up to the cloud on the Switch as well. So I'm not too sure what to think anymore about this digital versus physical thing. I do like having that freedom to lend a game out or borrow one from a friend, which you don't get digitally. But at the same time, I think with a portable system, it might make a little more sense to have digital. I'm just glad right now that we as consumers have choice, and I fear that at some point in the near future, those choices might erode. It does cost Nintendo a lot more money uh, to make a physical cartridge and distribute it versus just selling it digitally. And what's interesting is they sell the digital games for the same price as the physical games. And at some point, they're either going to stop the physical or maybe charge more for the physical, given that it does take profit out of the mix for them. So we'll have to see how each of these companies reacts to it. Uh, Clearly, Microsoft Uh, when they initially tried to prevent the uh, reselling and lending of physical games, had a lot of backlash from gamers in the early days of that console to the point where I think it actually knocked them into second place even before this round of console wars began. Uh, So we'll see how this all develops, and maybe this is a test market, essentially, to see how well a diskless, digital-only Xbox will fare uh, versus one that takes physical media. So we'll have to just keep an eye on all this and see what happens next. And our channel of the week this week is a very entertaining series that popped up on my recommended uh, feed from YouTube from a creator called Pleasant Green. And I guess he was uh, listing a couch or something on his local classifieds uh, site. 
and somebody wrote in saying, hey, I'd like to buy the couches. I'm going to send you a check for $1,500, which was more than what he was asking. And the guy who sent the check asked him to send back the extra change, essentially. Uh, And it's a scam that's been going on for a while. They send you a, a, a phony check. You go and cash the check. You send them the money, and then the check bounces, and you're left with nothing. But, of course, the person that sent you the check uh, ends up with money, and they're usually overseas, which is exactly what's happening here. But he does a deep dive uh, into this scam and how it all came about. He gets in touch with the guy and learns more about where he's from and what he's doing and how the whole scam works. It's actually really uh, fascinating. So check it out at the link you see on screen here. I really uh, enjoyed watching all of it this week. So this week on this channel, we've got a couple of things to look at. Uh, This is almost ready to go. I've got my review of the Mac Mini all set. We also hooked up an eGPU in that review, so you can get a feel for how it works with one of those. I'm really uh, excited to get this one up. We've spent a lot of time trying to figure out where this computer sits in Apple's product offerings, and you'll get my recommendations on that probably tomorrow. I'm also going to start working on this in the next day or two, which is the single-drive Synology NAS. This is their DS-119J. I like it because it's very inexpensive. It's under 100 bucks without the drive, but you put a drive in there and you've got yourself a Synology NAS to get started with, so we're going to be uh, spending some time with that this week as well. And I'm also considering doing a refresh of my 4K box roundup that I did last year. Uh, This video that I did last year is still being watched now quite heavily. Another example of how your content in a product review show can be very evergreen. Well, that's a good example of that. And there might be things in that video that are out of date, so I'm going to go through it this week and see if there's anything that needs to be uh, added. And if so, I'll make a new video. So that may or may not happen this week. Uh, But one thing I am definitely going to be doing is my monthly sponsored Plex video. And last week on the wrap-up, we talked about Plex servers, and that segment of the show got a lot of interest according to my analytics. And I think that means that you might want a little more about Plex servers So I think what I'll do is a roundup of all your options, talking about NAS devices, maybe an old PC, and then we'll look at maybe getting uh, free NAS working on a cheap PC like a NUC uh, as an option as well. So let me know if there's anything you'd like me to cover in that video. I'm going to probably start working on it on uh, Wednesday or so. Uh, So let me know down in the comments below because I know there's a lot of interest in different Plex server options. And this thing keeps staring at me, and it's killing me. I haven't had time to really sit down and play with it just yet. Uh, This is the Mister that we've been talking about. It's an FPGA-based open console uh, that is now running a number of classic computers, a number of classic game consoles now, including the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. It's also doing a bunch of arcades as well with very, very accurate, cycle-accurate, actually, simulation of the original hardware. This is the uh, new direction that emulation is taking, and I'm dying to get my hands on this thing to start working on it. It's in the box. We're going to get there, hopefully, soon. So stay tuned. We might do a live stream as we uh, first set it up. So lots to uh, look forward to here on the channel. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex. So if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, uh, we'll get a little commission for that. You can also gift a Plex Pass to a friend of yours this holiday season with the link that you see on screen or buy one for yourself. I think they were having a sale this week too, so you might want to check that out. We have other channels you can look at as well. We have my extras channel where I have supplementary content and unboxings. The podcast is an audio version of this show and the interviews that I do from time to time. 
We also have my Snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets, which is uh, segments of this show broken out so that we can try to gain a little more value out of them, but they're also more search-friendly. And, of course, we have my live stream archive at lon.tv slash live streams. And when we do go live and you missed it, you can tune back in and watch all of those. I typically don't push those live streams back out to subscribers, so if you go to that link, all the unlisted videos are there, so you can watch them all. Uh, there are, there's hours upon hours of content there, so have at it. Now, I do suggest you click on the bell so you get notified every time we do anything here on the channel, so that's one way to keep up to date with what I upload that's new. We also have a very infrequent email that I send out from time to time at lon.tv email, so if I have a live stream that I'm actually planning in advance, I will let you know there. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook. We're putting a lot of video up there now. And we also have the Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group. We're up to uh, almost 600 people there now. And then, of course, we have the store at lon.tv slash store where you can buy things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel. You can get alerted to when things get added to the store by signing up for the email list here. And I'll give you a great example of how effective this email list is. I put three items up last night. They all sold within two hours of me listing them and the email going out. So if you want to uh, get notified when something does get sold or is putting, being put up for sale, I should say, sign up for that email list and you will get notified the second I add anything to the store or change prices. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I want to thank you all for your continued support of the channel. Your questions and comments have been very helpful as well, so I greatly appreciate uh, all that you have been doing to help us grow. And this is the first wrap-up we've had since the 200,000 mark was crossed. And let's see how long it takes to get to 300,000. We've got a ways to go here, but I predict maybe a year and a half now versus two years to get to the next milestone. Let's see. It could happen faster or it could happen slower. Who cares? I'm enjoying what I do, and I really do enjoy interacting with all of you, both here in the comment threads, but also on the Facebook group and everywhere else where we interact. That'll do it for now. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, Gerard Newberg, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.